0: Well, Merry Christmas. How's everyone? Good? Let's try it again. Merry Christmas. I don't think it's Christmas yet. I haven't got any gifts from any of you. So I know it's not Christmas yet. Amen? Yeah, you ain't getting nothing. That's what you're saying right now. Um, I want you to think about this phrase from the scripture. Very simple Luke chapter 2, verse 7. It says, No room, no room in the inn. We know that scripture because we know it's all tied into that whole nativity Christmas story, right? I want you to think about the idea of no room. No room in our schedule sometimes for Jesus. No room in our life for Jesus. No room in our life to give more time. We just know there's just nothing left. Do you feel like nothing left sometimes? I mean, the engaging conversations I have with people typically go like this. How are you doing? Great, but I'm really busy. Can you relate to that? I'm really busy. Everybody says the same thing. I'm almost tired of hearing how busy you are because I don't have time then to talk about how busy I am. My wife and I were having a discussion the other day who has, who's on their phones the most. And you know, there's a little, you d- just swipe right and you've got screen time. You know how much time you spend on your phone every day. Did you know this? So anyway, she was convinced that I was on the phone more than she was on the phone, on my device. And I was totally convinced, and I was right, she was on her phone more. So I swipe it over there, and on that day, it was a light day, an hour and 58 minutes, I was on my phone doing something right, I sweep back, you know, there's three hours, and you know, it just kind of accumulates, right? And then she said, yeah, but you're on your computer more, so I checked that out, and she was absolutely right. The point is, there's a lot of hours wasted, right, on our device, which, can we agree with that? That part of our busyness is our mobile device. Say yes, you know it's true, right? So when you say I'm really busy, What you mean is I've burned four hours a day on my mobile device doing absolutely nothing, right? Oh, you might have a couple of important phone calls, a couple of text messages, but you know, you gotta post Insta, you gotta gotta get on, you gotta do all these things because if you don't, I mean, how many likes did I get? And you know you get like a dollar for every like somebody likes Oh, no, you don't get anything, do you? You get nothing. Get nothing. I, uh... This week, we uh, we did the, the toy distribution to the Boys and Girls uh, Club of Anaheim. Thank you very much for all of you who brought toys, gifts, uh, blankets, socks, and all those other things, and we'll show you a recap video at the end of the sermon here. But um, hundreds and hundreds of toys and blankets were given out, and when Jen came home and she started telling me about the night and some of the comments, it just kind of, all of a sudden, I had that. Oh man feeling. Have you ever had that old man feeling after you gave something and did something because you realized you did so little compared to the size of the problem, right? It wasn't that you did a little, it's just that you did so little when you think about how big the problem is in our world. When you think about in just that club alone, 70% of those kids are classified homeless, meaning they're living on the street, they're living in in a hotel or they have to vacate it every 30 days, uh, or they're living more three families in a one-family home, and that classifies you as homeless. Let me give you a couple of the comments that came back from that night. Here's one. There were hundreds of toys, sporting goods, and clothes. The blankets were the first to go. I want you to think about it like this. The parents all get to pick two toys for their kids, for each kid they have. And the first thing that goes is not a toy, it's a blanket. And I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. If I'd give my kids blankets for Christmas, I'd have been strung up. Right? Here's another one. One mom told us that she wasn't going to wait till Christmas to give her children the blankets as her apartment was very cold and they needed them as soon as possible. It wasn't, it wasn't a gift, it was a necessity. And I, I saw that and I thought, oh my gosh, we can't just scratch the surface once a year. We, we can't, right? I mean, blankets are not a gift. They're, they're basic necessity stuff that that we should be able to provide, amen? And that's just the start of it. I mean, imagine if you look back next year and said, what did we do in 2020? Because we can't change the world. Let's be honest. We cannot change the world. But we can change a person and maybe a community, a part of a community, and maybe a family. And, and, and But we can do that. Amen? And that makes a big difference. But what if we could look back next year at this time and say, we, we got some people off the street. We got some people employed. We got some warm apartments and some blankets and we, got, we changed some lives. Hey, you're gonna feel better about that than you're gonna feel about getting a gift that you've been waiting for, right? Here's another one. One single mom of five got a toy for four of her, ch- her children. She mentioned the 14-year-old was too old for toys at this point in their, in their life financially but that she would be receiving a blanket. Now imagine you're a 14-year-old girl and you've done without all year, and the one chance you have of getting a shirt, some makeup, shoes, something, it, it, it's, it's not there. It's a blanket. And the thing we missed the boat on mostly this year was teenagers. We didn't even think teenagers. We thought toys and little kids. And uh, I, I just... I just thought, what if? I kind of do it some what ifs. You ever do these what if kind of comments? What if, right? What what if we unleash unprecedented amounts of compassion into our broken world? What would happen? What if we just unleashed it? I don't mean just did a couple of acts of kindness. What if you had an unprecedented amount of compassion that you were able to send into the community, into the world that you live in? How different could the world be? How about this one? What, what would happen if we would raise the risk of our faith? I mean, you think about what you're trusting God for. What if you would tr- what if put a zero behind that and just, or a, a 10X behind that and say, what if we went further than we really thought we could go and so we moved out of our capacity and into his? Out of our resources into his? Out of our ability and into his ability. What if we reevaluated our capacity? What if we realized we really weren't that busy? We just create things that make us busy, don't we? I mean, we really, really do. If I look, if I'm honest, I'm saying, I think if I cut an hour out of my, my mobile device, I'd probably survive, right? I mean, I'm picking on me now. I don't know what your screen time looks like, but you know, mine, I, I'm, I'm confessing. Amen? I mean, what we ought to do at the end is have everybody swipe over and see who's the biggest offender in the group. Amen? But think about it. But I'm just saying, I'm not doing out without something that's valuable. I'm doing without something that's not valuable. Right? I'm not even asking to give up a coffee. I'm just saying, what if you reallocated some of your life? for an unprecedented amount of compassion into a broken world. I think you'd feel better. I know I'd feel better, amen? I know it. I I, I really believe a shift needs to occur in our world. A shift needs to occur in our individual lives. And I wanna wanna talk to you about three shifts that happen because of this season that we're in right now, and the first shift is this one, that God became flesh. That's a big shift. Imagine, Put yourself in first century, and the news now begins to spread that the, the promise of of old, of Isaiah the prophet 700 years earlier, is now fulfilled, and Mary is pregnant, and she's going to give birth to the Messiah, and that's in your neighborhood. You're going to go, that's a shift. I know Mary. She's a good girl, but What? I mean, you, you think about it. even the one she's betrothed to is going, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Mary's not being honest with me. That's just what the Bible says. Mary's not being honest with me, and I, I think I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm going to put her away quietly. And then all of a sudden when angels and Holy Spirit start showing up and go, don't do that, Joseph. That which is conceived in here is of the Holy Spirit, and you're going, it's getting even crazier now. It's getting crazier. Look what it says in, in Luke chapter two and verse seven. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger. Man, that's a shift. I'm now the mother of God. L- let that just kind of grab you for a moment. Instead of talking about her being the mother of Jesus, think about her. You are the mother of God right now in the flesh. This is big. John chapter one verse 14 says the word became flesh. The living word of God took on human flesh. God took on human flesh. First Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. When you encountered Jesus, you encountered God. You had a face-to-face God encounter with an enfleshed God that was born of a virgin, fulfilled a prophecy 700 years earlier. That's a pretty big shift in one's life. How about Colossians 1, 15? Jesus, the image of the invisible God. God is spirit, but God said, I want you to identify with me, and here's how you're going to identify with me. I'm going to put on human flesh. You're going to see the image of the invisible God in me. Another shift happened. Joy overcame fear. Joy overcame fear. You know, fear is rampant in our world today, even more so than ever, I really believe. Do you know that growing up and all through college, I can't remember anyone ever having a panic attack. It, it's like it did not exist. It's like it just showed up on the scene of, you know, 10 years ago, and all of a sudden, it became rampant, and I thought, what is going on here? And why is there so much fear? Because, you know, it doesn't seem to make sense. And what we want to do is we want to get rid of fear and get joy in its place. Amen? That's really what we need. And, and we live in this thing of fear. And We wonder, where's the fear come from? We well, you know, the Bible says that fear is a spirit. It's not an emotion. The emotion only follows the spirit that precedes it. And so what happens is when you're living in fear, the Bible says it is a spirit of fear. And when you yield to a spirit of fear because you give up joy or you give up peace, then it can become overwhelming. You can be a Christian and give up to fear. You can be a Christian who goes to church and loves God and have a panic attack. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means that you've allowed fear to come into your life and, it, and then that spirit guides your the, the course of your life versus letting God direct the course of your life in that moment, in that season. And we as Christians need to understand, hey, don't condemn somebody because they're going through it. Help somebody, amen? You gotta, you know, somebody going, I'm really afraid, okay, well, let's, you know, don't go, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, Jesus, followers shouldn't do that. No, just say to them, hey, you know what? Let's pray through that. Let's work through that. Let's walk through that together, That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do, amen, minister to one another. Look what it says here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. The angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to you and all the people. Now, let me ask you something, honestly. You're in your house. It's dark. Angel shows up, manifests himself in your room. Are you not going to be afraid? I'm thinking, I'm afraid. You might be a good angel, but I'm still afraid because you don't, you didn't knock. You just showed up at my house in my you walked through the wall. That's enough right there, right? Amen. Okay. He says, and, and the first words out of your mouth, don't be afraid. Yeah, right. I'm afraid already. You ever you ever had those times where you you hear a noise downstairs, if you live upstairs or in your house somewhere, you hear a noise. You ever have this and you and you go like, "I'm afraid." And my wife's an expert at this. She'll say, "Did you hear that?" No, I didn't hear anything. Well, go check on that. I don't want to. I don't want to get up. I don't want to walk down there. I got boxer shorts on and a T-shirt. I'm not equipped to battle a bad guy right now. So you go on down there and check on that because somebody's down there. Well, now I really don't want, I'd rather die in my bed. I don't want to die in the stairs, do you? I mean, I just, no. No, I'm not going. And she said, no, you have to go. Okay, I go down there. And what's the first thing you do when you go down there? You turn on a light. That's dumb. Now the bad guy knows right where you are. He's hiding, you're not, you're done. And then you gotta open every closet door, amen? You gotta open the closet door, you stick your head in there, you're looking around, no bad guys in there. You get, you you sweep the house, you go back upstairs, I lay down, she goes, I just find anything? Well, clearly not. (laughs) I'm back, (laughs) right? Here I am. I survived it. Yes, I beat him up. I, I tied him up, and the police are on their way. No, there's nothing down there. And you're laying there, and what happens? Three minutes later, there it is again. Well, you go, because I'm not going. I've swept the house. It's your turn. I'm telling you, and you know, most of the time, I'll go back down again, and I'll, I'll make a quick sweep, and I'll come back up and say, yeah, everything's fine. Why does that get to us? Because there's a spirit of fear. God wants you to overcome a spirit of fear in your life. And and anybody anybody can catch a spirit of fear. So it's not like not me, I'm no, you're not that spiritual. You're really not. You're human. But if you, if you kind of step back and say, wait, I want to I wanna get a tool. I want to get a technique to move forward. So what does this angel finish out by saying? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Look at those last three things he identified with. He said, a Savior, that means I need help, right? Christ, that's the New Testament way of saying Messiah. And Lord, that means somebody that's going to be over your life. But he's saying, hey, I've got some good news here. You're going to have... All the problems you've had with sin and trying to navigate through the challenges of, of being human, I'm gonna take care of. I'm gonna wipe that all away, and guess what? I'm, the promise you've been waiting for, the Messiah, he's here, and guess what? Now you're gonna have a Lord. You don't have to worry about it because the Lord is gonna take care of you. Let's go to 2 Timothy seven. Let me give you the scripture on this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see? There is a spirit of fear. The Bible doesn't deny it. It just says it didn't come from God. God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but what he has given you is power. You have power to overcome the spirit of fear. He has given you not only that, but love. And he's given you a sound mind. So what happens is a spirit of fear disrupts those things. It disrupts in your life this idea of of power, that you have power over something. You just feel helpless. It disrupts love in your life. And it disrupts this idea of how I process things in my mind. And so when you see those things coming, why, why, I just, I don't know how to love. I don't know how, I don't have, I'm powerless against this. I'm, I'm paralyzed in this. And I, and I don't even know how to think. Well, that's a spirit of fear. So what you do is you stand against the spirit of fear and say, God, that didn't come from you. I'm your child. Fill me with a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. Did you bring, drinks for all of us over there? I'm looking. You you just had a delivery. Did you bring drinks for all of us? Okay, next time. All right. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Fear not. Hey, that's pretty clear, right? Now you're afraid to go get a coffee. All right, fear not. (laughs) Fear, (laughs) Fear not, for I am with you. Hey, if God's with me, I think I'm a little safer. God will go with me through every difficult trial I'm in. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So there's a shift that happens. We move from fear into joy. Also, there's a shift that needs to happen from God's glory filling the earth. God's glory filling the earth. Um, and So look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God. Now, the angel shows up, kind of break the news. You're getting ready to have a supernatural experience here. I don't want you to be afraid. And some of my friends are coming. The heavenly host, we're gonna have a bunch of angels, bunch of seraphim, bunch of creatures with a lot of wings. They're gonna show up and they're gonna start to sing. So I I want you to get ready for this. Do you know that the angels show up in your life every day? The Bible says that angels are ministering spirits given for the sake of those who know God. You have an angel. You say, well, he ain't been working lately, right? (laughs) I've been taking a few days off. I, I need some help here. And guess what? A heavenly host is singing constantly over you. Constantly over you. We put so much emphasis on Satan and his demons. One-third of the angels fell away from God. Two-thirds didn't. Why do we focus on one-third when not the two-thirds? Why do we think Satan's powerful and God's not? Why do we have to speak louder when we're trying to rebuke Satan and we're talking to God? Hey, God is, God is for you. Amen? It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Do you know that peace is not the absence of conflict? If peace was the absence of conflict, you would never have peace in your life. Peace is the presence of God. So you can have peace in the presence, in in the midst of conflict because you have peace that comes from him and he's guiding you. And so you say, well, I, I might be going through some tough time, but I have peace about it. Well, how's that possible? Because you have the presence of peace. You have the prince of peace. You have the one who came to give you peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven on earth and under the earth, that every tongue should confess to the glory of God uh, the that he is Lord, so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna bow my knee, I'm gonna say, you're, you're Lord, and it says the glory will fill it. When I shift, you see, from, from no glory into glory, when I allow God's presence, you say, what is the glory of God? It is the presence of God that you recognize. It is when you are in the midst of, of living out your life and you go, you know, I just sense God, I feel God, Uh, You might even use the term, I see God. And what you mean, I see God in this situation. I see God's acts in this situation. And, And if you live in a conscious act of welcoming his presence, his presence is there. It's not that he's absent. It's just that we're absent from him. We're not recognizing what he's doing in our life. Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God says, look. I, I want everywhere to be filled with the glory. Isaiah 58, verses eight and nine. Your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall be, go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. He says, I want you to just keep moving forward, forward, forward in your life, in your plans. Let, just keep moving forward, forward, forward. But, you bet, but I'm, I'm worried what's coming up behind me. He says, no, the glory is behind you. The glory is following you wherever you go. You don't have to turn around and worry about it. He's following you. And the psalmist put it like this. Thou, O Lord, art my shield and my glory and the lifter of my head. Thou, o Lord, art a shield all about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. He says, it shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. When does God answer? Well, right there. When I allow the glory to push me forward and I don't worry about what's behind me. You know what's behind you is What's fearful? I don't know what's, what am, I don't know what's coming, What what will happen? That's fear. That's not a sound mind. Here you have to have this attitude. say you know what? Whatever happens in my life, whatever I encounter, me and God can handle it. Amen? I didn't say God can handle. I said you and God can handle it. You're not isolated from this process. You've got to engage in it. It's a partnership with God where you walk with God and you follow what God says and God leads you and God empowers you, amen? He says, and then you shall call on the Lord and he will answer and you shall cry and he will say, here I am. Hey, when you're crying, God says, I'm here. When you're afraid, I'm here. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. You go, oh God, show up. You go, I'm right here. I'm in you. I'm closer than your own breath. What do you want? I need help. Okay, what do you need? What do you want me to do? How can I bring you to this? Because if I just start with, if I have peace that passes understanding, if I have power, love, and a sound mind, what am I missing? What am I missing in this situation? Let me, let me take you back to where we started. What if, what if you unleashed an unprecedented amount of compassion into our broken world? I was at the dentist this week and she was jimmying with my tooth and she said yeah you need a root canal here and I said let's just put that off 30 days she says what I said yeah I'm gonna pray about that she said what I said yeah I just I'd like to give God 30 days to heal it and she gave me the doctor look you know the doctor look like yeah you're gonna see me in 30 days and I said hey yeah I might I meant but I you know I just want to give my tooth a shot I like my tooth I don't like I don't like." Even the concept of a root canal—it's a bad name. You need a PR firm to fix that one up, tighten up. You know, a tooth augmentation will sound much better. And uh, and then I begin to talk about miracles. I said, "Hey, let me tell you about a miracle. I, you know, my eyesight was healed, and and uh, I used to wear two contacts. I wear one now. This eye is 20, 20 now. I mean, I, I just and then I start telling about some other miracles. And and have you ever, you know, if you're sitting in a in a dentist chair, you can't move. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like you're in lockdown. You're just like you know, and, but you know, but I'm looking out the corner of my eye and somebody's eavesdropping. They're listening to this miracle conversation. I, I just know what's going on. And then I realize in that moment that my appointment was not for me and it was not for the dentist, it was for the eavesdropper. You see, people are eavesdropping into your life all the time to find out what you know about God, they're a little afraid to ask. They don't know what to ask, they don't know how to engage, but they're eavesdropping on a conversation or on your life. And uh, she finished and she walked out and, and this other person who worked there came walking up and she said, you know, I was listening to that and I, it's so interesting and I really believe that and I really need to get my family back in church and, and I believe in miracles. And, and, and she just kind of meant to go down this road a little bit and I sat there and I thought, That's why I exist. I I, I exist to share the glory of God with other people. I exist to bring hope, to infuse compassion into a world that probably somewhere in her life story, there's a miracle that didn't happen. And to restore hope. To raise the the risk of faith back in another human being. Isn't that kind of what we're all about? We typically think about us but what if we thought about everybody else needed an infusion of faith in their life and that I became a giver instead of a taker. I released instead of received and then I reevaluated my capacity and, and realized that I have more capacity for good than I think, that I was created for good works that I might walk in them, that people would see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven wouldn't that be a great Christmas gift to my world? Wouldn't that be the best Christmas gift anyone could get? I want you to stand with me, and we're going to pray. And, um, oh, you know what? I'm going to show you something on the board, because they brought this board up here, and they're going to think I didn't use it, so I'm going to. Okay. Um, this is life before you're saved, you come to faith in Christ, and then these are the days you have left. And let's just assume everyone here will live to be 100 plus. How many days do you, how many years do you have left? What will you do with them? That's the question, what will you do with them? Um, You can just stay seated, I'm gonna, we're gonna transition to this video and then this interview, but let me just pray. If, you, if you're not certain if you know Christ, I, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So just bow your heads with me, and you can just pray this out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried and rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. By faith, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and save me. Amen. If that was your prayer, I want you to know that God did exactly what he said he would do. He came into your heart, and he would, He saved you, and that that brings you into the kingdom. But it's, it has to be an act of faith in, in him and what he did at Calvary. Um, as we think about those three questions, I want you to turn your eyes to the screen and, and uh, just consider uh, a little recap from the uh, Boys and Girls Club, okay?